Thank you. Yeah. Afternoon. Um, so my name is Kim B. Gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater. I always say I'm recovered but never cured. Like we said, it's uh, the only thing that's cured is the ham, right? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Love that. Boom, boom. Um, so I we're, we we. Um, decided to do this just because as we age, I, I joined OA in 2009. I was probably, I cannot do math in my head, probably in my 30s um, in desperation. I was over um, exercising and gaining weight. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> so um, after I lost over 100 pounds. So I um, have been growing up in this program with all of you in my OA family, and um, I'm learning uh, to be open to <laughs> suggestions, and, um, and I'm so grateful for those that have paved the path ahead of me, including my sponsor, who's uh, 20 years my senior, because you know she lives, she lives a strong program, but as we all know, as we get older, things change. And as I've gotten older, I, I, I don't mind sharing that I just turned 50. Uh, last summer. So I'm adjusting to life as a 50 year old in recovery in OA. And, uh, you know, I still have residual effects of my compulsive overeating days. Um, I have uh, osteoarthritis, I have hypermobility, I have fibromyalgia, I've got, um, you know, just hanging skin from over, I've maintained over 130-pound oh, weight loss um, for 14 years. Thank you very much. By the grace of God, that is not me in this program, so thank you. I keep working it like my hair's on fire because it is. My life is on the line if I don't keep working this every day. So, um, and, and, and that even includes feeling comfortable in my own skin because that obsession comes up too with my body, uh, you know. And then I think, well, I'm never going to be a model or, you know, run the runway anytime soon. So what do I care if things are drooping down to my knees and this and that? So it is what it is. Um, God loves me and loves you the way we are. We each have our higher power. And, um, yeah, so I've just been aging in a way. And I will go to my professional nutritionalist or dietitian. Um, I just call up and say, I'm a binge eater, which is an actual diagnosis in the DSM-4 now. And they'll say, well, what, what, when would you like to come in? <laughs> And I come in, I bring my food plan with my higher power, and they sit down and I'll say, okay, well, I'm not running marathons anymore. I'm not doing 100-mile bike rides. I'm not doing triathlons anymore. I basically walk my dogs with my higher power every morning. And I do some yoga so that I can function throughout the day <laughs> um, and move my body. And so my exercise has shrunk quite a bit since I've been in OA. Um, so... Um, because of injuries, right? Because my disease got me injured many, many times 
uh, especially with m compulsive over exercising. So I am um, doing that. Um, I lost, uh, I have old fillings. That's another residual effect from compulsive eating, especially as a child, lots of sugar. So I have lots and lots of old fillings. Every time I go into the dentist, he goes, Kim, you got a lot of old, old cavity fillings there. And I'm like, okay. He goes, but they look good. I mean, they look good. Well, of course, the other day, I'm eating something, and pop, <laughs> there goes my tooth. I'm like, oh, that is my tooth, not a piece of food. So, called the dentist, yep, you got to get a crown. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, so it is what it is. But I just pray about it, and God will take care of me. So, I think, and, I, and I, I think, I don't know, I'm not on the literature chair committee at the World Service, but I thought they've been, that, that idea of getting a book out about what it's like to age in a way would be wonderful. So this, hopefully we can plant a seed here today with this panel and just be like, what is that like? What is that like? Movement has decreased or, or this or that. Um, food plans, I, I do eat a diet now that is uh, helpful for my arthritis so that I don't have to be on medications. Um, I don't take any anti-inflammatories. I do it all by my nutrition. Working closely, like I said, with my dietitian and my sponsor. <laughs> She's like, oh, you're going to give up that food too? Oh, Okay. <laughs> But I do it because I want to be healthy. I want to be alive. I want to live this life to the fullest as long as God graces me the ability to stay here and to move. And I look out here, and so many of you are still moving and active, and I just think that's great no matter what age we are because we are going to be timeless. I think if we keep working this program, working with our higher power, working it one day at a time, um, and I'm just so, so grateful, and I hope I can be here in another 20, 30, 40, 50 years uh, and, and uh, climb up those stairs and, and share the message like, um, like you guys all have and our, and our folks today. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Hi, my name is Jim. I'm a compulsive reader. I, everybody can hear me okay? Volume level's okay? Should I be a little closer? All right. Um, you know, Kim talked about hair on fire, and I, Kim, I think I might have waited too long. Uh, I'm glad for you that you got there earlier, but... Uh, um, and it, it's, fun, it's accidental, but it's funny how this panel is set up, that each person can get up here and talk about aging and to use an expression that uh, probably doesn't apply here, the next panel is, is older each time and can say, hold my beer, you know, please. Well, um, so I'm a little older than Kim. Uh, and when Lisa, I think a couple of years ago, this, there was going to be a version of this panel. Where are you, Lisa? I'm not seeing you. Okay, thank you. I have to look at you anyway. Uh, there was going to be a version of this panel a couple of years ago, and it was presented to me on the phone as, you know, would you like to talk, be on a panel talking about aging in the program? And I got off the phone and I was thinking, have we reached that point, you know, where Jim gets to be an expert on aging in the program? Um, well, but what is the alternative to aging in the program? Yeah. 
The alternative is my wife and kids talking about the guy who wasn't there anymore. So aging in the program is a better alternative to that. Um, really quickly, uh, uh, I came into this program in 1985 when I was 26 years old. And as the picture there is from that year, and I weighed 372 pounds. So uh, I didn't need to prove to anybody my credential for being a member of Overeaters Anonymous. You know, no one ever looked at me in one of those meetings and said, why are you here? Uh, and it's funny because now I'm the most vigorous defender in the world of the person who has 10 pounds to lose or has normal weight but is obsessed with food. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be the person in a meeting who says to you, why are you here? You know, Because it's the amount of suffering that you go through, not the weight that is the biggest issue. Um, and, and you know, uh, thanks to the treatment I had the same time that I was getting uh, learning the program through OE meetings, uh, my first two years were really happy, you know, and I lost, I got down to 200 pounds, which is a re reasonable goal weight for someone my size, uh, at least was then, and um, things were going great, and um, so then I started to add complexity to my life, you know, like, like getting married, you know, acquiring some children, um, and that stuff, and the and that's all good because you know one our program teaches us we want to be able to lead happy, useful lives, and and uh, um, but it doesn't say you can coast in your program while you're leading the happy, useful life. And that's really what happened to me is that I stopped working the program as diligently as I did in those early days. And you know, and, and I didn't have one dramatic incident where like. This was always a pet peeve if I watched a TV show about alcoholics, you know, and they would show somebody, you know, who's having a hard time and brooding with the bottle on his hand. And it's like, I'm sorry, if, the, if it's in your hand already, the game is over, you're done, you know. The brooding happens before that. And so it was just a gradual creep for me back to eating again. And, and as a result, I got to a point in my program where I was just going to like one meeting a week and staying in touch with a couple friends and never really getting deep at all about what was going on with me. And what do you know happened with my weight with that? I got back up to 286 pounds. And so um, I'm not, I was lucky enough that I didn't regain all the weight I lost. I regained a lot of the misery, but not all the weight. Um, but, and this does fit with evolving in the program. I knew that I had to do something different or else you know, I wasn't going to change. And uh, so a little bit more than eight years ago, uh, I recommitted myself seriously to the program. And the main thing I did then was get a sponsor, get a new sponsor and commit to, and this is hard for me to say, commit to doing whatever that sponsor told me, told me to do. And, and I picked someone who was very serious, and he was very serious. And, you know, I did those steps with all lots of questions and writing and this was a person who wanted me to call every day at the same time. You know, that, now that sounds so old school to me, you know, but we did that every day at the same time, or I had to call early if I was going to be busy. And, and the nerve of this man. Um, I, I would call and just want to say hi and goodbye. He'd say, well, I want you to talk for, to me for a while when you call, you know, because the more I know about you, the more I can, you know, basically help you with recovery. And it's like the nerve of this person. It just wanted me to talk about stuff. Um, but it worked, you know, and including 
the the eighth, uh, you know, uh, big book style fourth step, and then the fifth step we met in person, and and you know my first fifth step was kind of easy. Uh, it was with um, a minister associated with the with the um, hospital where my treatment program was, and it was he was a recovering person, but it's ministers they they get paid to listen to people's problems, you know, and to be sympathetic and. So my second fifth step was with my sponsor. He was just another guy like me, you know, not a professional religious person or therapist or counselor or any of that stuff, just another guy in the program. And, uh, and it, it was a great experience. It was very helpful. Um, it, it gave me a tremendous flashback to the early days of program when people were doing it by themselves, you know, and it, especially the early days of AA when they just sort of sat down together as two people and did the program. Um, uh, I was thinking about the word evolving in connection with this panel, that if you're a scientist at all, um, the word has drifted in meaning a little bit. It, 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 what, when, what Darwin and the other folks that used it meant was, it wasn't like, the, the trilobite didn't think how to be a more successful trilobite. It was more conditions changed in the world outside, and then the animals who could adjust survived, and the other ones didn't. And uh, we mean it a little bit more often today as you know deliberately choosing to uh, to make certain changes and uh, i've had to make those about food a number of times in in my recovery uh it's wonderful when i'm eating like what feels to me like a nice amount of food and i lose weight you know, you know steadily and all that is just a beautiful and wonderful thing and and um it's sort of like falling through the air. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing until you hit the ground. Uh, and I've hit the ground a few times where I, you know, what's a plateau and what's like being stuck. And basically the way I've had to work with that is talking with my sponsor, who, who is my current sponsor, who is not someone who ever gives me a definitive answer. He'll share his experience and he'll say, well, you should check with your higher power about that. And, and, uh, so I had to make some food plan changes over the year. And you know what's distressing about that? They never involve adding more food to my program. <laughs> you know, you would, you would think when you're in this program for a certain amount of time, it should be, you know, the disease should allow you to add a little bit more food into your program. <laughs> no, it takes away. Um, uh, and that makes me think of something, and, and I think this is from the AA 12 and 12 or AA Big Book where... It, it, I'm paraphrasing, it says, you know, we in recovery are not going to be immune to the normal problems that affect everybody in the world. You know, it's, it'd be wonderful to think because I'm a compulsive, because I was a rock bottom, desperate, compulsive overeater who almost died from this, that, that I shouldn't have to go through the stuff that other people go through. You know, I shouldn't have like mistaken things in my credit report or, uh, or you know injuries, or or troublesome family members, not my spouse, troublesome family members, uh, or any of those things. But the reality is, I do, you know. And and the recovery just gets me to the starting line of life. It doesn't like magically wipe those things away. Uh, but like any person with a chronic illness, conditions that are normal for some people could put me in extra vulnerability, you know. If I'm extra fretting about losing my job or, or, um, or something physical, uh, 
you know, that could make me vulnerable to overeating. So that's why I need to use the program on all those kinds of things and subjects. Um, I am 64, I will be 65 in October, and entered this zone, you know, when my father was looking forward to, who, who wore a uniform most of his life, was looking forward to a retirement date, and I'm sure he knew what that date was, and at least his plan was to work toward that. And my spouse and I just looked at each other and said, you know, we don't know. You know, it's right now we're both working, we want to keep working, it's not the financial time to, if we have a choice to do this, but there's just as much indeterminacy in this part of life as there is in in um, any other age of life. And uh, and then there's the whole matter of health. That I've been really, really, uh, Kim was talking about this, I've been really, very really lucky. I don't take any prescription medications. I, it's very rare that I ever take any of those things. Um, I don't have any major stuff wrong with me. Uh, I have complaints but have not reached the old man in the coffee shop you know, state of complaining about my aches and pains. Uh, not there yet. I'm willing to accept it might be me one day. Um, but, you know, I, I'm also aware that, you know, this, the string runs out at some point. And, and, you know, people have issues to deal with medically. And so I have to apply my program to living with those things the same as with anything else. Um, how I work the program has changed, especially since the pandemic. Nothing has changed the program more for me than the pandemic. Um, and that was uh, a big shock and rude awakening when that came down. And like a lot of us had to figure out how, how do I keep recovering, you know, when I don't have my face-to-face -face meetings to go to. Um, out of desperation, which is usually the clause that begins any sentence about me in the program, um, I learned how to do the Zoom thing and started host, Zoom hosting meetings on the east side, and that really saved my rear end through the whole pandemic. That I had, it's like having the key, you know. Only it's not only having the key, you have to be the bouncer too, who kicks bad people out who try to get in the door. Um, but that saved me during the program, is having that responsibility to do that and to communicate with other people and to make sure they knew how to get on and, uh, and, um, I, uh, today I've reached the happy medium of having an in-person meeting I can go to again and continuing to do those meetings. And so service, you know, I never expected to become the person who doesn't talk a lot at meetings but does service, you know, and that's how I've become today just because I don't often feel like I have that much to say, you know. Rather hear other people and rather just make sure we have a place to meet and to do things and to keep going. Um, I've also learned a lot about sponsorship in recent years, especially from um, my own sponsors, and that is to not try to fix everybody's problems or solve them, and to not pretend to be an expert on things I don't know anything about. You know, as my sponsor used to tell me, my former sponsor, if someone comes to me with a problem, there are three things I can do. I can listen to them, I can share relevant experience if I have it, and I can pray for them. And it's not really any, those are the three things I can do. That, that's it. And so I try to practice those three things today. Um, the other golden lesson he taught me was, if a sponsee comes to me with a problem and I don't know what to do, go to my sponsor and say, a sponsee came to me with this problem. You know, what do you recommend? That, that it is a great chain of sponsorship in our program. And we can all, keeping anonymity, we can all rely on each other and learn from each other how to work the program. All right.
I see that I'm about to get that, the hook. So um, thank you for the chance to share today and have a great recovery, everyone. as tall as Jim. How is that? Can you hear me? Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Judy W. I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater, one day at a time for the last 48 years. And, <laughs> you know, that's, that's really hard to say. And, you know, they told us we could... Um, pick who's going to go first, and I figured it should be age before beauty, but they picked beauty before age. So <laughs> anyway, uh, so here I am, and I've heard so many good things this weekend that I'm going to try to be original, and original is my story. And that's all any of us really have to share, is our own experience, strength, and hope. And um, once in a while... I forgot to bring my pictures today, and I have a really nice little thing of showing, you know, what it used to be like, what happened, what you're like now. And, oh, just the statistics, I'm about 80, 80 pounds under my top weight, which was about 250 pounds. Um, I can't, you know, I remember when I was trying to figure things out, you know, why am I a compulsive overeater? I had a perfectly happy home life and, you know, no traumas and, you know, nothing that I could think of, nothing I could put my finger on because I was eating over it all. And I had no idea what I felt. And uh, I just came across this, um, this is April 25th in the four today. We honor ourselves and our friends when we can tell them how we feel. Isaac Rubin. Uh, expressing my feelings, especially the negative ones, does not come easily. I want people to like me. I prefer to please rather than anger or upset a friend. There are some things, however, that are not worth the price I have to pay for them. Like all progress, willingness is all it takes to learn how to deal with emotions such as anger, in a way that harms neither me nor others, by consciously feeling my anger rather than acting as if it isn't there. I'm actually expressing it even if only to myself. From this beginning, I can go on to learn how to express my true feelings to others. For today, being honest and open with friends and family is a sign of growth. So... Before I came to OA, I had been in another fellowship for about eight years, and I wasn't making very much progress. In fact, my life was a disaster. Um, I, I survived. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. I survived three marriages, and the first one lasted. Uh, I had to pay three different lawyers to finally get out of that one. And then I married another uh, alcoholic, and that lasted four years, and then I had been in OA for 10 years, and that was my first relapse. I hadn't, I hadn't gained much weight, but I was in such a tizzy, and I was so upset with myself for having made the same mistake again after all this time. And um, 
I started going to uh, outpatient therapy. And I recall the um, moderator, um, I said, you know, I'm doing really well, I'm staying abstinent, I'm doing all these things, and my life is just falling apart. And then he said, well, you never took the first step. I said, what do you mean I never took the first step? He said, um, let me say it. The first, uh, she said, what's the first step? One, we admitted we were powerless over food. Our lives had become unmanageable. And I said, and now I'm doing all this stuff, and it's more unmanageable than it ever was. And he said, that's because life is not manageable no matter what. And that, you know, and at that time, all kinds of feelings were surfacing. I got in, when I came into program, it was on a really low note in my life, but um, I had a spiritual awakening before, shortly before um, I came into OA. I had gone on a retreat at another 12-step retreat, and I uh, gave away my fourth and fifth step. And I was really working on myself. And, of course, you know, the old pity party, I was, you know, everybody said, oh, you poor thing, you poor martyr, you know, you got life, so you're doing really good. And I was just in this self-pity, but I couldn't recognize that I was in self-pity. So during that first 10 years, I jumped into the program full force, got abstinent, lost 100 pounds, got divorced, and then started dating. So here I'm going off in these other directions and not really paying that close attention to what was going on inside. Well, that's when the feelings start to surface. And a lot of old memories came back to me. Like I said, I thought my home life was, you know, perfect. But um, during that time, a memory surfaced, and... And it was totally out of my purview. I had no idea that I had this thing till it surfaced. And I remembered coming home from school. I was about eight years old. My dad was sitting uh, at the dining room table, and I said, why are you home from work? And he said, well, Grandpa died. And I started to cry. And he said, he's just an old drunk, and he's better off dead. That wounded me so bad that I uh, blocked it out entirely, just ate more, ate more, ate more, and I had this terrible anger and resentment towards my father. I was almost 50 years old before that memory resurfaced, and then I knew what I was eating over. I didn't like the fact that my dad didn't like his dad. You know, so um, I did so much work on myself during that period of time, and I learned a lot about me and the fact that I was such a chameleon that nobody knew who I was. I, I mean, it was like when I first came into program, I couldn't tell you if I was mad, glad, sad, afraid, or whatever. And as those memories started to surface, and I had to feel them because I wasn't eating over them, that's when the growth happened. So, you know, we, don't, we always say that um, relapse is inevitable, but it, it truly isn't 
But if you do experience relapse, I found in my experience that I learned more from that relapse and the subsequent next relapse that was like 10 years later, um, when everything in my life was going perfect, then I, when I took my eyes off of that I am a compulsive overeater, that's when you know I start living life the way it's supposed to be lived. And that's the message that I got from um, those relapses was that the only thing that is important is abstinence. Without abstinence, nothing else in my life matters. I have a good relationship with my higher power today, but I did not have. I, even though I grew up in a really religious home and all, all the things, I knew about God. I didn't know God. And uh, it took, again, another retreat where um, I said, you know, the people in my group say, we love you and God loves you. And I said, well, I can maybe believe it up here, but I can't feel it down here. And he, instead of saying, oh, you nice lady, that's okay, you've had a hard life, blah, blah, blah. Instead, he said, lady, did it ever cross your mind that maybe you're setting yourself up above God? And it was just like a lightning bolt. And that is what it took for me to understand that in my pride and arrogance, that I was judging God by my human standards. And that... Um, who was I to say that God couldn't love me or forgive me? And I, I had the, you know, I could forgive anybody except my dad. That took a while. <laughs> oh, and um, I don't know how much time I have, but that was another turning point. I said that I had this really deep resentment, and I went on a, another weekend. I did a lot of weekends, a lot of conventions, a lot of retreats, all that stuff, and um, I'm trying to think, how did that go? Oh, they said, if you have a resentment, it was kind of like the um, freedom from bondage passions, but they said, take the person you resent and imagine them as a four-year-old. So I took my dad and I looked at him and... Um, I said, well, you know, he was the second oldest of 10 kids. His dad was the town drunk. Um, he had to quit school when he was in fourth grade to go work for a farmer. And he loved to go fishing. So the people in our village said, oh, I can remember. They called him Huck because he would skip school, take his fishing pole, his straw hat, go down to the river fishing. And... I got that picture in my mind. And then they said, then take that image and shrink them down and put them in your, the palm of your hands. And then you take that little person and put them in your heart. And, you know, I did that. And I never had a bad thought about him the rest of my whole life. He never told me he loved me. I was with him on his deathbed, but um, I told him I loved him, and I did. And, you know, I have really fond memories of my dad today. So um, that's how we evolve in the program. It starts with the abstinence, 
And then we got to really work on ourselves because if we don't, we don't get any of those promises. We did that thing last night was so cool with the candles and everything, but we don't get those promises if we don't start with step one and be painstaking about going through all of those other uh, steps, you know, especially steps eight and nine. And they can be really tough. And uh, so can, you know, four and five. If you have all these buried memories, it's really hard not to just go through the motions. And, you know, we don't ever um, stay status quo in this program. We're either growing and climbing and enjoying life, or we're slip-sliding downhill. And that slip-sliding downhill goes a whole lot faster than the growing and climbing. But I am so grateful to be here. Uh, I got the time slip. That's the end. <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> and anyway, um, I am just so grateful to be with all of you. You are my family. I, too, lost my husband. Uh, let's see, it's coming out six years now. And I never had been alone, and I never liked being alone. But today, I am comfortable in my own skin. I'm very involved in the program, and um, I don't know. I'm happier and more contented today than I've ever been in my life. And, you know, at 85, that isn't bad. So with that, I pass. Two, three, two, eight. Well, today I have somebody very special that I'm talking with, and her name is Marge Kay, and she is a fellow of ours for many years, and I've decided that uh, she should be in on this panel, and uh, because she's so important to all of, many of us who know her, so I'm going to ask Marge to say hello. Hi, my name is Marge, and I'm so grateful to be here and to listen to this. Well, we're grateful to have you, so thank you. Um, say, Marge, I would like to start by asking you, what brought you to OA so many years ago?
I guess what I'd like to say is thank you to our panels, panel members, our panelists. Thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength, and hope as you, not as you age, but as we do program year after year. So thank you very much. And um, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, unless anybody has something that needs to be announced. Nope? Okay. So we're going to take a a break, and then we're going to get ready for our next keynote speaker, which begins at 2.15. So um, we'll see you back here. She is a fellow of ours for many years, and I've decided that uh, she should be in on this panel and uh, because she's so important to all of many of us who know her. So I'm going to ask Marge.